Yeah, my my husband is battling that right now because we have been looking for a second dog and we've never had a second dog, but we feel our dog would benefit from having a buddy. Like that's what we did. Active. That's yeah. why we did that. Yeah. With cats. Um, so we've been looking for dogs since last May, but we see so many, they get adopted so quickly now because of like yeah. and stuff. So then I thought, no, we'll wait because I bet a lot of people who are adopting are going to end up giving them up again. Exactly. Work. So we kind of waited again until now. And I found this dog I'm in love with and he's all the way in Texas. Oh. And, I wrote, <laughs> and we're road trippers. So I wrote all these plea, e like I wrote a plea email on top of the application. I was like, please don't discard the family from Pennsylvania. We will drive to Texas for this dog. That's like, awesome. I'm doing the secret. Like I'm so focused. I'm like, this is, this is our guy. Please let us adopt this. Oh my dog. God. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> all right. Let's see. We should be, we we are live and we've got people already joining us. Hi, Robin Kunkel. She's saying hello to us. It is so lovely to see you. And it is 8.01, so I'm going to get us started. Welcome everyone to Trans Tuesday, the greatest night of the week. I'm your host, Cassandra Storm. This is an online interactive show in which we help a trans woman, we give them a voice to share their stories however they like. And we are a community of sisters, anybody with a feminine spirit, wherever they may be in their transition journey. If they're trans woman, if they're cisgendered woman, if they're somewhere else in the rainbow, if they feel at home here, they are most welcome and we love to have you. Um, so we have been producing shows for over a year now. Tonight is our 97th episode and Miss Brie Sullivan was on our fifth episode. <laughs> so literally I interviewed Brie before uh, we literally went live with My Feminine Heart. She was one of the few people who knew about My Feminine Heart before the world did. <laughs> yeah. And like, I remember like telling you like, hey, I'm starting this podcast and can I like drive to Boston and interview you? She was so sweet because like, unlike so many of our 90 some other episodes, you had no idea what this was going to look like, what, how this was going to come out. I if you see the photos, these were pre-COVID interviews. So like we were in person together in your former office. You've changed workplaces since then. Um, so this is, this is the first one of these episodes for season two. So now that we're in the second season of My Feminine Heart and we're still interviewing, you know, the inspirational stories of all these amazing trans women, we have our, we now call them sisters of the month. We give each lady like a whole special month. I want to reflect back and visit with the ladies that, you know, we, we saw a year ago and how has your life changed? And it just so happens um, that this timing is perfect with Brie. And I feel like this is the month of Brie's because Brie Fram was our sister of the month. So it's like every week we have a Brie. Uh, Brie Sullivan is the current chair of first event for 2022. Mm-hmm. And you've been co-chairing first event for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's so exciting, everything that you've had going on. I'm going to check in real quick before I ask you my first question. But um, yeah, if I didn't say it, welcome back, Brie. We're so excited to have you join us again. I'm so excited to be here. This and is I great. 
this is. And I didn't have to drive through no um, crazy blizzard to get to you in Boston. We now have, we did this over the magic of Zoom. Um, oh my goodness. So we have amazing ladies joining us. I want to share all their hellos. We have Linda Ann, Erica Fremont, Susan Holtz, Rami Sargon has been visiting us from New Zealand. So we are streaming down under. We've got Desiree Payne, who is all the way up in Alaska. We have Stephanie Margaret Uber. Hi, Maggie. And some other phenomenal ladies with us. Uh, so I think I'm going to start with the number one question that everybody's asking. What is the latest for first event? What can you so, tell us? So it's, you know, it's with disappointment that so many of these conferences had to be canceled this year. And we were very lucky in 2020 at first event that we were really the last conference before everything shut down. And, you know, I was hoping to get to uh, Keystone, but they canceled Keystone right at almost the last minute. I think it was two or three weeks beforehand. And I was really disappointed about that. And um, I'm good friends with Christy uh, and Joanne. And uh, we had conversations about that and they're ultimately just, they ultimately decided to cancel and we were disappointed. So as everybody's aware, we're in this current situation and um, you know, we're really, uh, so first event would have been, would it have been this week? I, let me, let me take a quick look. It's so first event would have started a week from tomorrow. Yeah, it's usually um, the Super Bowl, like or right around the Super Bowl is when I think of first event. Yeah. Yeah, so it would have been the 27th, which is a week from tomorrow, and it is obviously not happening. Um, we decided to cancel a long time ago, um, but we are going to have first event 2021, which is going to be actually earlier next year. It's going to be January 12th through 16th, and um, which is two weeks earlier. It was because of the hotel booking. We um, um, we actually got a little bit more favorable rates by having it earlier and a little more space. But it's the same hotel as last time, the Boston Park Plaza in downtown? Boston Park Plaza. They will not run out of lodging, um, but we may run out of um, our preferred rate lodging. Uh, there are a thousand rooms at that hotel. It's a massive hotel. It's a massive hotel. But our room block it's smaller than that, of course. Um, so you definitely want to register early to get the good rate. So um, what we're looking at is we're looking at some changes for um, first event 2022. And I can't reveal them right now because they're not official. But um, uh, you can trust that we're going to be back in force. We're expecting. Uh, so last year we had about 1,500 people. Um, that was approximately a 40% increase over the year before. We're expecting at least 2,000 at this one. Um, yeah, we've got some really big improvements that are that are coming up. We're bringing a lot of people together for this one. Um, we're speaking with a number of um, excellent uh, keynote speakers. We're starting conversations with their agents, and we're really trying to knock it out of the park this year or next year, for that matter. Um, so uh, what you can look for coming up, well, so the, one of the reasons why we're, we're expecting such a large turnout is pent up demand. And so while there are going to be a few conferences between now and then, um, let's see, Philly Trans Health is supposed to be happening, which I know it's not called that anymore. I can't remember what the new name is. 
Um, they last year had about 8,000. So they're pretty huge. Um, different type of conference though. Um, they're going to be a couple between now and next year, but we believe that first event is going to be the first major conference of its type since COVID. So we're expecting a lot of strong turnout. So, um, keep an eye out. I'm going to give you a web address. It's firstevent.org. So if you go to that page, right on that front splash page, you can, you can put your name on the mailing list and you will get all the updates about first event. And we'll be sending updates every month. So to keep you informed, um, you can look for the room block to start to be ready in September. And then registration will open sometime in November, sometime thereabouts, um, where you can register for first event. And uh, we're looking at the room rates to be the same as last time. I think we had a $109 per night room, which is an efficiency, small, tough to share a, uh, a room if you're a trans woman with all your stuff. With, you know, I bring like five suitcases of shoes. So, um, and then I believe the standard room is 139. And I think those prices are going to stay uh, the same for 2022. So uh, the $109 rooms go fast. So when we announce the room block is open, get in there and get your room. So um, we're looking forward to see everybody. I think uh, it's going to be a really good time. Really, you know, I can't wait to see everybody. I'm, I'm so jonesing for like togetherness, you know, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough for me, you know? It's, oh, it's so exciting. So let's step back again. If you want to book a room, make sure that you are on the email list. So that's number one. Yeah, yeah. The email list is you get on the email list, you'll be in the know. You'll know when the room block is going to be opened. Uh, and then that's the best way to do it. And they can get to the email from firstevent.org or the TCNE website, right? So, so they are linked. Um, but if you, so, so sort of the backup, um, if people aren't aware, um, we're currently, so in what we've done with the first event program is we've decided that we were going to offer the workshops, um, separately free of charge, um, virtually throughout the year. And so we've been offering workshops on workshop Wednesday. So tomorrow's workshop Wednesday. And every Wednesday we have a different workshop. All of them are free. You just need to sign up. They're, they're phenomenal. I think I've given two. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yep. So we are booked out until uh, February 10th right now with workshops. You can actually feel free to, um, to propose a workshop if you have a workshop that you wanna give. And um, our subject matter is, is pretty broad. Um, we have workshops for trans men. We have workshops for trans women. We have financial planning, um, dealing with dysphoria. There's all kinds of workshops. Um, and we would like you to submit a workshop if you could. Now, for the workshops, you'll go to tcne.org. And you go there, you click on the workshop menu item. It'll bring up the workshop page. And if you sign up for the workshop mailing list, that's the same mailing list as first event. So you only have to sign up once and you're on both lists. It's actually one list, it's the same list. And uh, the workshop schedule is there. You can sign up for individual workshops or you can sign up for the mailing list, which will also sign you up for the first event emails. So you yeah. kill two birds at one stone. 
And for anybody who doesn't know, TCNE is the Trans Club of New England. Correct. And they um, are the hosts, overall hosts of first event. Correct. And I, they've been around for decades. They are 40, like, 40 years. Last year yeah. was the 40th first event. That's amazing. That's yeah, 40 years. Cool. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, for anybody who hasn't been involved, I've been to several first events. They are always beautifully done. It is 100% worth um, going to Boston in winter to be a part of first event. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've been up there um, to do photography. I've, I've done workshops. Um, I'm so excited. I hear people, people are commenting, they're marking their calendars now. Can we throw the dates out one more time? Because it's not going to be the usual time period. It's a little earlier in January. It's earlier and it'll be well communicated. It's January 12th, which is a Wednesday to January 16th. Right. Um, and if you'd like to, you know, give a workshop, you, you are open to workshops now because you've been giving them throughout the year and they are, um, they are really cool. Several of our, my feminine heart favorites have been on there. Sarah Moore has been doing personal safety workshops, like in yep. her field, we've had Lindsay Tab has done ones on style. Um, I think I did one on comportment with Lindsay. I think I did one on photography myself. Um, and you've been doing this for a while. Like I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, I think I was doing them back in like August and September. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's there, they're phenomenal and what a free resource. And I will tell you, if you want to do it, um, you can do it for free. You just have to register. That's uh, it. Yeah. Just yeah. register. No, it's no cost. Yeah. And they are not recorded. So it's no. like you're, you're there and you get it or you miss it but it's in a Zoom. So it's not like our episode tonight is a Zoom to Facebook Live that anybody can watch later. Like you're either invested as though you're at the conference, like you're choosing to walk in the room and mm -hmm. see it live. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just phenomenal. Um, now, Brie, one of the things that I'm really excited about that you're doing is, you know, you shared with me that you guys have been experimenting with small socials um, to see, can we do this? And can we do this in a COVID friendly manner? Um, a couple of times this past year. Mm -hmm. And I, I, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of what you've done, because I know that so many of the people watching are involved in other um, trans groups and trans societies that have desperately wanted to convene. And um, some of them have convened in like more safe ways or less safe ways than others. And we've, we've seen the spread of COVID. So what is it that you've done that has kept your small gatherings safe um, and COVID free? So um, we sort of capitalized on the ability to have uh, events outside. And so uh, two such events happened um, at, actually at the same place at a, a close personal friend of mine's home. Um, she had it uh, in her backyard, and um, it, so just just to say, just to tell you how really important it was to us um, to make sure people were safe. Um, she actually applied for a permit with the police, and town hall got wind of that. And um, so the night before she was about to have her event, this was in October. October 24th, um, I believe there were about 40 people scheduled to go and it was a limited, you know, we have to limit the, the amount of people for obvious reasons. 
And so there was a conference call with her the night before about all the measures that were in place to protect the attendees. And uh, so uh, what happened, basically what happened was without getting into the nuts and bolts, you know, we, we took contact information for contact tracing. We took temperatures when people arrived at the party. We, we did a, um, a pre-screen to make sure that they hadn't experienced any symptoms. And, uh, and as a result of those efforts, nobody got sick as a result of that party. And it was a, it was a really good time and it was well-planned and well-organized. And other than a, a few aggravated neighbors, because it was a little loud at night, you know, everybody had a great time. And um, so it worked. Yeah, I, I love that. I think it gives really good hope and guidance that we can socialize, but we can do it safely. Um, I think that, you know, some of the stuff that we're seeing just in general is people are going so long without socializing that when they finally do, there's no regard, like there's no mask, yeah. there's no safety. Yeah. You know? um, and I think we are, in, in my impression, we're in this for the long haul. Even once people are vaccinated, you know, we're still going to need to do things to maintain safety and health. And Definitely. I'm so excited that that's been like a priority for you because I'm ready for first event. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we are too. All right, we have so many people commenting about they are marking their calendars, how excited they are. They've already been, they've just now have are subscribing to the emails. Right. Um, and Linda Ann in particular says the new venue is so amazing. Great work. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm a huge fan of being in downtown Boston. Huge fan. I love that transition from the outer suburbs. I just think it was um it's 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 not as expensive as people think it's going to be. Like no. the drinks are expensive. Yeah. Um, but there isn't any rule about taking drinks into your room either. Correct. You could pregame. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and for anybody, you know, I always recommend being safe with your drinking. A public lobby of a hotel is not a, a frat kegger. You, you do want to be safe. You don't want to like binge drink and go crazy. So, of course. You know, maybe the more expensive martinis kind of keep people in check and, and pace themselves, which is yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a gorgeous hotel. I can't believe it has a thousand rooms. I had no it's idea. It's got a thousand rooms. And, and I'll tell you, it's a historic hotel as well. It's been around for a whole lot of years and it's been renovated a couple of times. Um, they just completed the recent renovation and it shows. Um, and it, it, it's interesting. You see, um, you know, you see a lot of different people in the elevator. So, you know, we took over the Best Western. We, we literally owned that building. And there was 400, 400 odd rooms at the Best Western, sold out the whole hotel every time in, during our tenure, during this, this um, administration's tenure. Um, this hotel, you see other people going into the elevators and there's this, you know, there's this air of class at, at that hotel, you see the other patrons in there very well dressed and they carry themselves very well. And, and there's a difference there. You can see it, it's palpable. And, um, and it, you know, I, as I said last year, you know, that is a hotel worthy of us. It is, it's, it's, it's a hotel worthy of our friends, you it know, is. 1500 of my friends, right? So. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Thank you so much for everything that you do, because if anybody doesn't realize it, this lady is a volunteer. 
this is 100% giving of her time and the other volunteers who helped put this together. So this is this is purely done by this, the sweat and love and passion of, of the team that is behind it and the, all the work that you do. Speaking of, at what point will you be looking for people to help volunteer? Do you need volunteers now? So uh, occasionally we'll put out um, a request for volunteers, um, you know, for the planning committee. Um, uh, we may be looking for a few volunteers for the planning committee. I don't know. Watch the mail the email list for that. That's what we want to be on is the email list if we want to get involved. Yes, and and uh, but the the general call for for volunteers for the event the um, um, you know for next January will be in the fall. Sometime in the fall, you'll we'll send out um, a request for people to sign up as volunteers. Um, and there'll be a link associated with that. And um, there'll be some choices in there um, where you would like to volunteer. But ultimately, you know, we, we tend to put people um, where we need them. But there's no bad volunteering um, positions. It's always fun. It always feels good. You know, that's how I started back before I was on the administration, just volunteering in little ways here and there. And it's very fulfilling. How are some of the ways that people are able to volunteer, like at registration or taking tickets yeah. to stores or? Yes. So we have um, we have the uh, the closet, and it's a it's a, uh, a a convenient name that we use for the thrift store, um, our 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 type of thrift store, and uh, there's also volunteers at the registration table. Uh, typically, the shifts are morning and afternoon, so you, you would have a three or four hour shift in the morning or a three or a four hour shift in the afternoon, and that's it, you're done. And um, there are uh, um, people, wayfinders, who help people find where they need to go, um, different things like that. Yeah, I think it's lovely. And you know, we're such big proponents of people volunteering and getting involved. There are people who feel really isolated in this community who watch the show and they're like, you know, they feel alone. They feel like they haven't made, made their group of friends yet. And in my opinion, the best way to find a new family, to find a new group of friends is get involved, volunteer. You give a little bit of yourself and you get so much back in return. You do. It's, it's tenfold or more. It is. So, um, you know, just like we did for first event last year, we did a whole special episode right before the event. I hope you come on and join us again on live uh, to chat about first event. Once you have some of these planning committee details underway, so we can find out, is there going to be a red carpet this year? Is there going to be a fashion show? You know, what are some of these great details? So definitely. Yeah, we will. This was planning the seed. <laughs> but we will fill everybody in more in the fall. Um, but for those of you who are club members of Mind, Feminine Heart, you may have been able to watch Ree's story of transition. Um, her story was the fifth episode of all of My Feminine Heart. And here you're back on for like episode 97. Um, so way back when uh, Bree shared like her journey, what it was like oh my gosh, like your daughter finding you dressed in the kitchen in the middle of the night <laughs> in that shocking moment. You know, what it was like for you uh, to go through this process 
Um, if anybody is listening who is not a club member, um, one, our club membership is opening February 1st. So if you sign up, you can watch this interview. But because we think these stories are so important, anybody at any time can listen to her story for free. So if you go to myfeminineheart.com, go to trans woman, you'll scroll down and you will literally be able to listen to this interview for free. Um, what's amazed me, Brie, is, you know, we're friends on Facebook. So I feel like, you know, when you see people's pictures on Facebook, it's like you're a part of their journey. So we, we told your story, but had an end cap. I mean, we told your story up until the beginning of December of 2019. Mm-hmm. And you've had so much life happen to you since I have. I'm like, I literally look at your pictures. And I'm like, does this woman work anymore? Because all <laughs> of her out building things in the middle of the woods. <laughs> like, the only reason I know you're still employed is because I see pictures of your working from home with your kitty cat on yeah. your work table. Yeah. So, so much has happened. Do you mind catching us up on, on what life has been like for, I would say the last 13 months? Yeah. Yeah. So big changes for me. So I was with my previous employer. So I, 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 Cassandra mentioned in the beginning that I got a new job. Mm -hmm. Um, And you may or may not have mentioned, I know I mentioned it to you. Um, uh, So I actually got a new job. So uh, I transitioned at my last job. I was at my last job for 11 years. Um, uh, For those of you who may not know, I am a civil engineer. Um, super I, smart. Wick, or we say wicked smart up in Boston. Well, yeah, I suppose I, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's what I do, I guess, you know, it's what I, what I, you know, it's what I do to make money, but it's certainly not work to me because I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm a civil engineer, I'm a professional civil engineer, and I've worked on projects like, um, bridge replacements, culvert replacements, um, roadway reconstruction jobs. And when we say reconstruction, we mean the entire roadway, sidewalks, curbs, the whole nine yards. Now, when you um, say work, because I've seen you be handy building things with tools in the woods, but as a civil engineer, you're more like desk jockeying when you're on the job, right? Like you're working with a computer and schematics and the yep. mathematics. And so we design those jobs. We design the jobs. We design the construction documents. We put the construction documents out to bid and we make sure the job is done the way it's supposed to be done. You just um, also happen to be handy. And I also happen to be handy. And par- parts of my job take me into the river because I have to actually measure different sections of the river because I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of uh, river reconstruction plans. So restoration plans where, you know, a culvert was too small and then I'm, I'm going to design a replacement culvert that, that's, that's more appropriate for that river. And then I have to reconstruct the river in the vicinity of the culvert. So I need to go in and actually measure these benchmarks in, in the field. Um, so I do spend time in the field, but it's usually to make these engineering decisions that I need to make to design properly in the office. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, um, I was doing that and um, our uh, market, the engineer, the civil engineering market, uh, employment market has been hot as hell the last few years. Even with COVID, people are like, they are paying big dollars to people who want to move jobs. And I don't like changing employment. 
Um, no, you're, you're a loyalist. You said you were at that last job for how many years? 11 years. And yeah. then when I decided to leave, uh, so what happened was I had a company contact me directly. So not through a recruiter. I've had a ton of recruiters contact me and I'm not interested in talking to them. Um, so I had a company contact me directly and say, Hey, um, you know, we have a position in our office. Will you talk to us about it? And, and typically I tell people like that, no, um, the, you know, everything was up in the air. So I said, oh, why not? You know, um, I decided that I'll this, listen to them. This was during COVID. COVID. During COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, it was so like the rules are, are off the table at this point. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so I had a Zoom meeting with them and they were, they were interested uh, and they said they were going to, you know, just discuss it. Um, the job was actually further away from my house than, than my you know, this job that I was currently in when they had contacted me. Um, so I was like, yeah, I can't travel to that. And they said, no, I said, but I know you have an office six miles from my house. Um, do you have any positions up there? And, uh, and they're like, well, we don't, but, but, but let us talk about it a little bit and, and, and see what happens. So five or so days went by and I was like, oh, well, they're not interested in me. That afternoon, I get a request. Hey, can you come in on Thursday and talk talk to the to the the office manager up there in in New Hampshire and I said yeah sure so I went in and talked to them and the the CEO was on zoom on the big TV in the in the conference room and um and it was pretty clear to me by the end of the interview that I killed it I killed the interview and because they were just they were just very pleased and um uh, about 24 hours later I had an offer that I couldn't refuse now, Bree, you transitioned in your last job. I did. So did you share any of that information with them going into this new job? What did you feel that they needed to know or that you wanted to share? I went in there as Bree. I didn't share any of that. That's, that's not important. Yeah. As far as and I was concerned, you know, uh, if they had asked, I certainly would have shared it, but um, it never came up, you know. Um, uh, they have, they were... They were just, they were just in love with what I was saying. And, and, and that fact actually remains today. I mean, I started November 1st there. They, they, I love working there and they really enjoy working with me. And, and I'll admit it was hard. It was hard for me to tell my former employer that I needed to change jobs. I cried. I cried my eyes out. You know, I said, I feel like I'm breaking up with someone, you know, it's like 11 years is a long time. And I was faithful to them. Um, and, uh, but, but I haven't looked back and it was, it was a excellent decision. It was now, an excellent decision. For anybody watching who doesn't know your story, how long ago did you transition to Brie? So I transitioned in 2018. So April of 2018 was my first day on the job. So at that point, I had been living as Brie outside of work 20, you know, so what would that be like 18 hours a day? So anyway, I would live as Brie. I'd come home, I'd change. My wife used to laugh, laugh at me because I would come home and put a bra on, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and she'd laugh at me, you know, it's like, you know, in, in work, uh, you know, I had been on hormones for a while. So um, you know, things started to get a little obvious. So, um, but when I got home, um, I would put a bra on and I would present as Brie. And so, uh, the, 
first time I was full time. So strangely enough, uh, I had scheduled my name change um, long before because I knew it took a long time. Well, my name change came through like two months before my actual transition. So I was Brie presenting at work. I was legally Brie presenting at work as a male as much as I could present as male at that point. Um, and, you know, if I legally signed anything, I would have to sign it Brie, you know, it was, it was kind of funny, but you know, it was, what it was so, yeah. So what is it like now being in a fresh environment that hasn't experienced, you know, before Brie or the transitioning of Brie that you just get to walk into fresh and just be you employee of the month? So I sometimes forget I'm trans. And I know that's a trigger for some people. And, and when I heard that that could happen, um, I was like, there's no way this, I will always be aware of my gender. And there are times when I go through moments where I, like, I actually think, and I'm trying to think of, there's a, for instance, I was using, I was thinking of something, someone was talking about something and I was like imagining myself in that role years ago as a female and I'm like, why has that never happened to me? And I'm like, because I wasn't born female. That's why. And like, like for a split second, I actually lost the dialogue in my head. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm 52 and, and my, my mind is not what it used to be. So, but you know what we've, we've had this conversation though, because we have ways that we identify with ourselves. Yeah. like such and such age and I live in this town and yeah. I'm single or married or whatever and you know one of the things that you and I were joking about before is I think we've both done this I literally forgot how old I was for a year yeah yeah completely like I remember um I had a family member that I had to call an ambulance for and I based their age by adding to mine and as I'm telling 911 how old the person is I'm like I don't think that's right and then it took me like an hour later. I'm like, oh my God, they're older than I said, because I'm older than I realized. And I looked at my husband. And I'm like, did you know I'm 32? Because <laughs> like, I remember when I hit my thirties, I stopped identifying with age. I just said, I'm in my thirties. That's it. And it literally, it slips your mind. So um, what, what, I mean, what happens is the cues go away. So, you know, uh, I stopped getting misgendered when I changed jobs. Now, people didn't misgender me because, it, you know, it most often often happened in third person. If I, if I was sitting there in a room when they were talking about something and someone would be referring to me, they would say him. And, and, you know, and they wouldn't do it on purpose. It wouldn't happen in first person, but it would happen every now and again. And, you know, some of my younger coworkers would get pissed. They'd be like, open your damn eyes. That, this person sitting in front of you is female, you know, it's like, and once that stuff stopped happening, it was just natural to be able to feel, you know, and so um, just to clarify, I did come out to one of my uh, new coworkers, uh, um, someone who I considered to be an ally early on. And so I did come out to her and like, it was almost difficult coming out to her because so she didn't believe it when I told her, I'm like, oh yeah. So I said, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you see my volunteer experience. And, and she said, oh yeah, that's very nice. I'm glad you volunteer and something like that. And I'm like, well, that I said, that's my community. And she's like, her eyes get wide. She's like, oh, she's like, I didn't realize. I'm like, I let her right to it. And she didn't believe it. It's like, you know, it's amazing. It's really amazing. So 
Um, but I don't see any reason that I need to come out to anybody. It, I mean, it's it's not material really to to work. And um, there is going to be a time, for instance, hey, I got to take next week off because you know I'm going to be I'm going to be chair of conference down in Boston with two thousand trans people and gender nonconforming people. You know, and uh, you know they're going to be like, that's kind of weird. And it's like, no, it's not weird. <laughs> so anyway, it'll, it'll happen in time, but I'm not going to rush it. No, I think, I think it's exciting, you know, and um, it's, it's a very interesting thing to share for anybody who has been or has not been yet at that point in their journey, because if anybody is going to be aware of themselves as an identity, it's going to be the chairperson for one of the world's biggest trans conferences, like period. Yeah. Um, so we have a question coming in from Robin Kunkel, and I feel like you kind of answered this, but maybe we can just specify it a little bit more. How how long was it when you came out until you transitioned at work? So that's where she's at now. So how long were you starting to like kind of present as Brie before you made that switch? So you mean outside of work? I think so, yeah. 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 So I started socially transitioning in, all right, so I came out in 2018. So I went full-time in 2018. I really started going out as Brie. Um, actually, I was going by a different name back then, but that's okay. Um, in like 2013. Uh, so, so maybe five, five years. years. Five years. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question, Robin. If you have any others, please, please share. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was awesome. Um, and Maggie Uber, she shares your point exactly of what you said about it not being important at work. It's, it's absolutely, it's, it's not important if you come out at work, you just get to be Brie yeah. and do your job. Yeah. And, and that's it. And that's it. It's, um, yeah, it's, and that's the thing. Why? like when if it if why would gender matter i mean we know that it matters because of unequal pay and because of you know all of the assault against women um we know that it matters in that respect but when it comes to doing a job that you're trained for what does gender matter you know what do, you know a professional job now granted again if it's if it's a physical strength thing because you need extra strength to do your job, that's a different thing altogether. But after all of that, job requirements are gone. It doesn't really matter that you're you're male or female. It's just that you you do a good job and you work hard for the company you work for. Yeah, and that's all they really care about. When I interviewed Tina Madison White and her wife in the fall, Mary White, um, one of my favorite things Tina said was, like what is between my legs is the least interesting thing about me. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, Robin says, thank you. It's four years for her now. So Robin, I'm so excited for you. Just keep us posted on how everything goes. Um, now, Brie, you've got something else exciting. Uh, you, you're done. Your surgeries, right? You're all done. You've, you've, you've done them all. I have. So people close to me say it's bull crap because they think that I'm addicted to surgery because I've had 13 procedures. Um, and so, um, is that not like typical? How many surgeries would it typically be for someone to transition? So, so I, I, so when I say 13, I mean, you know, if, if I got my lips injected three times, which I did, um, that's three procedures. 
-hmm. And it's not under anesthesia either all the time. And so I took a different track than a lot of people. So a lot of people go to a, a, a surgeon and usually they'll go to a trans friendly surgeon, right? And they will say, all right, fix my face. And they'll say, make it feminine. And, and then the surgeon will do a number of procedures depending on what the person needs and it varies. Um, and usually they do it in one fell swoop and, and you know, people one-stop shop, right? I did it piecemeal because I wanted to get a specialist in the areas that they were working in. So for instance, um, a different surgeon did my nose than did my bone work uh, in my, on my face. Um, and a different surgeon did my fat injection, which by the way, is the only way to go. That was the first thing I got done and it was the best thing I got done. Um, um, autologous fat injection. So they take fat out of your midsection and they inject it into your face. Um, I went to a surgeon in Baltimore for that who uh, has done a ton of that. And so I, I wanted to make sure that I thoroughly researched the surgeons that I went to. So my surgeries took me four odd years to get completed because I kind of went along like that. So the, the idea is nobody is gonna be the top tier specialist of everything. Correct, correct. And the other thing about surgeons is um, if a, sur a particular surgeon is skilled at one particular thing and they've done a lot of those, they're really good at that and they want to do that. So, so a facial surgeon, while they might be skilled at working on all parts of the face, if they typically do, for instance, if they typically do a blepharoplasty, which is when they cut the excess fat, uh, the excess skin from your eyelids, um, they're going to want to do that instead of another procedure that might, that might be better for you um, because they're used to doing that. They're most efficient at that and they, they get the most reliable results. And so I wanted to avoid that altogether. Wow. Oh yeah. I want to talk to you about cheek injections then. <laughs> and you know what? I'll tell you, no surgeon will tell you that this is what they do because this is what they've always done, you know? And, and uh, you know, and it's just the nature of surgeons, right? So. Yeah. Now, when you've done your research, what have you found to be the, the best way to evaluate what surgeon was the right surgeon for you? So, so um, that's tough. Um, I, I have found, so I can tell you that, let me think about this. I can tell you that I did not go to any surgeons who were trans specialists. Not a single surgeon of mine was a trans specialist. They were skilled in what I wanted them to do. And I did research based on that. And, you know, it, there was some risk associated with that. When I went to the fat injection doctor, like, like at the time I was presenting as male and, um, and there was, you know, I had no choice because when I presented as female, I looked like a dude in a dress because my face was so square and blocky and uh, just my opinion. Um, and well, I, re uh, I remember this from your transition journey. You shared that, that was step one for you. You started doing the facial surgeries before you did anything else. Before hormones. Before, before hormones. hormones. Yeah. 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 And um, you have changed that going backwards now. Looking back, would you have changed the order with which you did things? 
Probably not. I mean, I think it worked out well for me. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I actually, I have a before picture. I mean, I, I, some people look at me and they say, well, what the hell are you going to like when I go to get my last two surgeries, like, what are you going to change? You're beautiful as it is. And, and I know that people who, I know there are a lot of people who are with me that say, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this so I don't see the guy in the mirror looking back at me anymore. You know, I, I do this for me. This is the only reason I'm doing it. Although there is that fact when you go to the surgeon, you say, well, don't stop making me look female, make me look good too. But there are limits to that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I can show you a before I, picture. And I love that. This. Um, so this picture was taken in 2016, about two months before my very first procedure, which was this full face fat injection that I got. And um, so let me see how, if I can share this. Now, you were suffering from uh, like kind of like a facial wasting at the time. Was that I, it? I was, and it'll be clear in the picture. And, and one of the big things about facial surgery is proportion. And, you know, when your face is long and skinny, you know, your nose looks bigger. And so if you broaden your face, your nose, even though you did nothing to your nose, it's all relative on your face. If you do a little bit here and a little bit here, it changes how this looks too, because your focus changes. And this is all subconscious for, for, for your, for people's brains, they, your brain will subconsciously gender a face that you're looking at based on the visual cues that it sees that you don't even know what's happening in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so that, and that's why it's, it's so elusive and why people can misgender you. Even if you pass pretty well, they still misgender you because there are cues there that they're seeing subconsciously. And they may not even know it. They may just say, sir. And they're like, oh crap, you know? And, and it's because it, there's so much of this that happens subconsciously. But anyway, I digress. Um, let me see if I can maximize this slide. Well, while you're looking for that, so we had a, a couple people have chatted in saying, Rami says she only did SRS surgery and now she feels like she's done. And Georgette oh. says that's all her partner's done. I think that's, that's great. That's great. That's great. Yeah. You right. Do whatever works for you. I'm so tickled that you want to share this because this is not something that everybody wants to share, but it's kind of something that most people are pretty curious about. So this is uh, no surgeries. I weighed probably in that picture, I probably weighed 20 pounds less than I weigh now. Um, so that didn't help either. So here we go. Wow. So, um, yeah. Yep. So I'm probably 20 pounds less than I weigh now. Um, and lots of surgeries later. <laughs> I feel like, um, can I comment on a couple things? Like, is yeah, that sure. okay? Yeah. I feel like there's a pronouncement in your forehead above your eyebrows that's gone. And I feel like your chin is much more narrow and obviously your cheeks and lips are totally reshaped. They're much more plump. Mm -hmm. um, what, I'm, what else would I notice? Or is that, okay, I gotta ask the hair. Cause your hair looks real to me. It's the only thing on me that's not not real. Well, your hair is stunning. Whatever you're like, whatever you're wearing. This, I thought this hair is not, this hair is plastic. 
I would never have it's guessed. Not bio hair. No. I would never have guessed. I, I can't fix that. It's <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, uh, it, it, yeah, it might be worth noting that I have no implants in my face. That is, I have no implants. Um, I have no, I do have silicone on my lips. Everything else is natural. It's fat. It's adjustment of skin. It's um, bone shaving, bone shaving on the forehead, bone shaving on the chin, on the, on the, on the mandible. Um, but there are no silicone implants in my face and my cheeks. This is all fat. This is all fat in my cheeks. Now, when you have fat injected, does it eventually go away or does it go away if you diet? It does not. Well, let me, let me correct that. So this is what happens with fat injections. So they, they try to take the fat injections from the areas that are most, most tenacious. So they'll take it from your flanks, your love handles. They'll take it from your belly. When they transplant the fat cells, they will behave the same way they behaved where they were in your body. So if, if people don't already know, when you gain and you lose weight, your body has a pre-programmed pattern, as you're probably well aware of, like you gain people gain 10 pounds, you gain it exactly where you don't want it, right? Every single time you lose 10 pounds, you gain 10 pounds, it's right where you don't need it. It's not in your ass where you need it, or it's not in your hips, right? Well, when you transfer that fat to another place in your body, it behaves the same way. So if you're 130 and you come up to 140, it's, it's going to behave the same way it did when it was in your stomach or in your, but it's a much smaller amount. So um, you know, when I lose weight, my face does get more hollow looking, but it's, it's not too pronounced. It's not like the before picture, but, um, fat injection is great because when they take it out of the area that it comes from, you have the uh, advantage of that area looking slimmer. So it works like it's double. It's like you're paid, like you're getting double the benefit for the same cost, you know? Oh my gosh. Whenever yeah. I gain or lose, it's like the junk in my trunk. Yeah. If I take that and put it in my face, I will yeah. look like a chipmunk. No matter how yeah. hard I try to lose weight, I'll still have big cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that because we've had people on the show that have talked about injections before. And, you know, if you have bags and wrinkles under your eyes, there's no work you can do there other than to plus up your cheeks yep. and stretch that skin out. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I think is really neat is one that you're so open with this, but you shared with me that you're going to give this as a full workshop for one of the I am. Yeah. So, right? yeah. So my research, all the research that I've done and I've done, you know, it's part of being an engineer, like, like literally I solve problems. At when I wake up at 2am in the morning, I am thinking about shit. My brain starts going and I'm either thinking about the job that I'm having a hard time figuring out how I'm going to, you know, redesign the river or, you know, I'm thinking about how I'm going to build the piece of furniture that I have in my garage that's like half built or the shed that in the backyard, how I'm going to, you know, do the roof trusses or something. I'm, I'm thinking about it. So I did the same thing and I approached the, the, the research, the surgical research in the same way. So now I've got this huge amount of, of research and, and knowledge, how to find these surgeons um, and what to tell them once you find them that I'm going to make it into a workshop. Yeah. Now, in the beginning, when you first had injections done um, as a man, uh, at what point did you start telling your doctors that you were interested in transitioning or that this was for, like how many procedures did you have done in male mode before you started presenting as Brie? Well, interestingly enough, I was 
I was having a conversation with the, that surgeon. And, um, and so I started telling him what I wanted because I, I was telling him exactly what to do. I was like, I want my cheeks to be big and I want you to do this. And I want, and the lip lift, I want you to lift it way up. And, and he says, well, if I do that, you're going to, you're going to look feminine. And I'm like, well, that's not that big of a deal to me. Yeah. I said to him. And uh, so, you know, cause I was telling him what to do rather than saying, make me look feminine, you know? And, you know, and I think when we start our journey, I think everybody's always, uh, well, at least let me, I'll put it, you know, I was afraid of what other people thought, you know, and, and it took me until I was 42 years old to start going out in public with who I am, because I, I started to get tired of what other people thought. I'm like, I don't give a crap anymore. I'm going to go out. You know, I have to go out. I have to go out like this. It's something that I need to do and I need to be seen this way. So it's, it's, it was so important to me. And, and, and strangely enough, I'm going to actually segue into a different thing. So I've been full-time since 2018 and we have this, this, this COVID thing comes along, right. And nobody can, you know, I can't get together with my friends and, you know, uh, I had felt like my dysphoria was fixed when I started living full time, but then something happened during COVID when I couldn't go out with my friends, I started feeling it creep back in again. And for whatever reason, I, I, whether it's the closeness with my, with the community, uh, I have, I have a, quite a few trans friends. Um, I wasn't able, I mean, Zoom is okay, uh, but there's no substitute for being in person, for hugging, for, I, I, I realized that touch was really important. In-person gathering was really important to me. And whether it's dysphoria or not, I don't know. It's definitely dissatisfaction. And it's been really hard on me. I mean, I had a, had a meltdown last week or the week before I got, I started getting to the point where I'm like, I, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. I, I, so I started taking risks, calculated risks, but, um, you know, to see friends, I, I had to do it. I couldn't do it anymore. And I just, just want to qualify that statement by saying, I, I don't have clinical depression. I've never been diagnosed with it. Um, uh, I, I tend to be a happy person, but it was killing me. It was killing me. And, you know, transition has helped a, a lot of things, but, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not everything. It's not everything. You can still have issues. So, it, you know, I understand that there's a, probably a lot of people on this call that are having a hard time. It's okay. I understand. Um, it's, you, you know, don't, don't, you don't have to do it alone. No, it's what, what do we say? It's, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not okay. And you're not okay, but that's okay. Yep. No, this is, this is coping. This is doing the best we can. It's doing the best we can. That's right. I mean, That's my, right. my dream is for my feminine heart to continue like this beyond COVID once we're all able to be together again, because I know there's so many people in the community who will still need this. Yeah. Um, but my goal is, is to not just have this is to have this plus some. I was speaking to a, um, a trans group, gosh, I think it was just last week. And uh, somebody asked me, they said, 
should, cause I was talking about photography and lighting and they said, should I invest in a ring light? And I said, hundred percent It's time. It's time for us to convert portions of our homes for video conferencing yeah. because look at, and I, and I said to the group that we were speaking to, look at all the people on this zoom who are not local. This group only met locally before in person. And now we have somebody tuning in from Atlanta and we have somebody from this part of the country. And there are people on this call from, from New Zealand and from Alaska that have literally tuned in right now with us, let alone all the other places. We've had people reach out from the Philippines, from Mexico, from around the globe. It's so important for us to continue to be able to reach out like this across the globe to anybody that we can interact with. Um, so this is definitely our future, but you know, it hopefully won't be our only future. I don't believe it will be, but so for anybody who's watching, think of this as just, this is our, our training ground. If you're not doing well, like Bree says, we're still not, none of it, like we put on the brave face, you know, we put on the makeup and we sit in front of the ring light and we spread our chair, but it's, but it is, it is hard. It is, it is still hard kind of getting through this. And so, you know, to hear your stories where despite how hard it's been, in my mind, I'm hearing somebody who found ways to socialize in small ways with first event. Mm -hmm. You completed all your surgeries. You started a new job. Um, you know, and I feel like so many of us, there may be people out there where they feel there's been no positives. I know I've had so many positives. This is one of them, my feminine heart. When, as you know, Brie, when this started, it was pre-recorded. There was, yeah. you know, we weren't on Zoom. And our audience wasn't on Zoom. So even if you and I had done it like this, I, I guarantee you 85% of our audience that's on tonight never was never forced to use Zoom before COVID. So, or Facebook Live, like this is yeah. just technology for so many. So if you're out there, I love what you had to say. Think about the positive things that have happened. Um, so I have, I'll show you real quick, like, because <laughs> some of that's private. Um, so I keep inspiration boards up on my wall. So we're in my little, we're in my little podcast room. I'll show you the rest. This is where I teach you during the week. And this is where I do my Zooms. And I used to have a second chair. It's now over in the corner. When I, when I, I created this room a few weeks before lockdown. So I did a few interviews in here. Um, but, you know, so I keep um, inspiration boards up on the wall of what my goals are. And because this last year was such a struggle, I actually have one that says accomplishments of the last year. And so that I can remind myself when I'm down, come in and read this list mm -hmm. and think of how far you've come. So, you know, just like with you, Brie, the amazing things that have happened for you, anybody that is home that is struggling, I would tell you, write it down, stick it on the wall. I have notes all over this room that you can't see of like goals and projects and things, but also reminders of you've accomplished this, take a breath appreciate it. And I'll be honest, there's nights I just come up here with a glass of wine. I lay down this really comfy rug. I put a pillow behind my head and I just look at my wall and I just breathe. And I'm like, okay. We I think the important part of anybody's transition that you hear is, is it's a series of baby steps. There's no huge steps that are, that are taken. And, and, and one thing that I always go back to, um, that, and I, I actually share this with my daughter. 
So my daughter's 21. She has anxiety disorder. She is a um, art student at um, MassArt, which is a, which is an art college in in Boston. And I shared this with her because she, you know, I do public presentations, and she doesn't understand how I can do that because she's afraid, right? And so, uh, and a lot of people will will come to trans people and say, "You're so brave," and it's like, you know courage you know like don't you have fear well yes i have tons of fear but courage is not the absence of fear it's acting despite the fear and and that is the thing to remember it's like i it's, it's not that i don't have fear i've got tons of fear it's that i do things even though i have fear and and it can be tough you know it can be tough you like you can look at you know you can look at someone and say they don't have any fear and it's like like have all this shit going on inside their head you just don't you just don't know it so that's what i try to keep in mind well and you've got a lot of people um reaching out in response to to our last topics here um first of all robin wants you to know your hair looks great <laughs> Thank you, robin. um and she says her dysphoria has been worse during COVID. she misses her trans friends so much oh yeah her Erica Fremont says the same. She says, I think that this may explain the way I've been feeling since the onset of COVID. Because Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and Desiree, same thing. Desiree you, um, is one of our regular participants and one of our club members of My Feminine Heart who um, her job changed. So she used to be actively on here every Tuesday night with us. And then her job changed and she couldn't be here. Uh, she would reach out to me and she's like, I just, I miss... I miss the group and she actually got to be on tonight, which is amazing. So we're so excited because I know it's hard. I mean, think of like how much we miss people here in Boston. I'm literally between halfway between the Keystone Conference and Baltimore and DC, mm -hmm. like surrounded by a huge community, um, but but it's lonely. Um, and yeah. she's, she's way out there in Alaska, her and Christy Avery just representing that whole state. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chloe, thank you, Chloe, for sharing. I know this is something she's been going through. Chloe Webb is three weeks post-op FFS. Um, she doesn't see, quote, him now, but she did see Jay Leno's jaw for two of those weeks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Are we all scarred from Leno? Because I used to feel like that when I was younger. I'd look in the mirror and be like, oh my gosh, I have Jay Leno's jaw. Oh my God. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. the swelling's brutal on the jaw. So, yeah, I bet it's like it's all the swelling and all swelling of that. on the jaw is bad. It's really bad. It's one of the worst places in the face. I hope you're doing well now, Chloe. Um, Lisa says she, Lisa Smith, she bets you're even more beautiful now. Um, and Desiree says, you do look amazing and that she does miss us all. And we miss you. And wow, all these compliments and love coming in for you, girl. Oh my goodness. Well, um, you're giving us so much to look forward to. You're always so honest and open. You share so much of yourself with us and so much of the community. Thank you so much for all the time. And you think about like, Right now, you are in plannings for an event that's not going to happen for a year. And we that's all right. know that that time you spend is just going to get more intense as we yep. get closer and closer to that date. Yep. So if you, yeah, if you aren't on it yet, go to firstevent.org and sign up for the email list so you know, boom, 
you can get one of those coveted $109 a night rooms when first event opens up for next year. Yeah. Keep in mind, the dates are going to be different. They're going to be around January 16th, not as late as the Super Bowl next year, which I think a lot of people are going to love. 12th to the 16th. 12 to the 16th. And if you are interested, this amazing organization, they are doing right now, you can sign up for live workshop Wednesday events. It's 7 p.m., right? Yes. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. And uh, if you want to give a workshop, you can sign up to give one as well. And you've shared with me. In particular, I'd like to give a shout out. If anyone knows anybody who does um, workshops for the trans masculine crew. Yes. Um, I know that you are especially looking to kind of plus up that side of the Absolutely. Workshops. Yeah. So thank you again so much. I want to give a big um, shout out for our episode next week. So we've been changing and evolving over the last year. Now all of our episodes air Tuesday nights. Every other Tuesday, like tonight, we do a live public offering of our show where anybody in our listening audience can watch and listen and participate and interact, which is amazing. Um, And then every other Tuesday, we kind of go to the next level and we do extra love for our club members. So next week, we have a private makeup class. So it will be live. There will be a Zoom link. It's going to be emailed just to our club members of My Feminine Heart and streamed to our private Facebook group page. And Elizabeth Taylor is going to teach us a lesson in contouring. So we're going to learn how to contour our makeup in a Zoom class with Elizabeth Taylor, the amazing transformation artist. And the following week, we will be back with another special live episode. And that episode is going to be a catch up as well. So if you saw our very first transition journey, the very first episode we aired was with Temperance DeWitt. And her transition journey has been the inaugural one that anybody could watch or listen to for free. So if you've ever wanted to see one of our episodes, go to our website, myfeminineheart.com. You can watch Temperance's. And she goes into very big details on how she transitioned at work, her hormones, her surgeries, everything she had done to that point. And the reason she came on when she did, she had just transitioned a few weeks before at work. So I'm so excited to have her back on the show in two weeks as another one of our public episodes to talk about what has it been like for now over a year of working on the job as temperance and through COVID. So um, please join us there if you would love to be a part of our interior sisterhood, our club members, our membership is going to open February 1st through 7th. It's only $12 a month. That's it, just $12, and you get to be part of what sustains and keeps us going, and part of our interior community that helps um, guide all the content. They are the ones who voted for Elizabeth Taylor to do a makeup class and then voted for her to do a contouring class. So if you want to have that kind of say in what we do, join us, and we would love to have you. Thank you so much, Bree. We love you. You're one of our favorite ladies. We love everything that you do for first event. You ever need anything from us? For me, let me know. I'm just a call away. And I do hope that you come back and talk to us in the fall when we can hear more details about the events you're planning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, dear. We love you and our whole audience so much. Good night, everybody. See you later.
Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.